Master Tavern Keeper's History of the Old World. Cedric, what do you mean, who? Are you telling me that you've not heard of Constant Drakenfels, the great enchanter himself? Och, I am indeed telling you that, my dear Master Tavernkeeper. Do I really need to remind you that I'm not from round these parts? Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> Silly me. My apologies, my dear friend. Oh, but, uh, Master Tavernkeeper... Myself also. I, too, only know of Drakenfels, as far as what the uh, common tavern banter says, and uh, as he crops up in my own family's history, too. But uh, I know no more than that, I have to say. Oh, really? I was honestly under the impression that his long and sordid history was common knowledge. And what about uh, the neophytes? You know about him, don't you, you lot? What? None of you? By Ranald. I suppose I should not be surprised. As I get older, it's easier and easier to forget that once upon a time, I did not know all that I now know. I hope you'll forgive this older man's bit of, uh, folly. Ach, we've all got our follies and foibles. If we didn't, we'd be as bland as, uh, as, as, as your sea biscuits over there. The ones in that there jar. Ah, my heart's duck. Ah, oh, well, well, I do know what you mean. It's good solid food, but, uh, yes, it doesn't score highly on the, uh, tastiness scale. I suppose so. Men and women without idiosyncrasies and, I dare say, faults and foibles are as satisfying as my hard tack. It's all right, you've got nothing else to eat, but, uh, one of the last things you go looking for when you've got, uh, any other option. Oh, it's empty already. Ah, anyway, let us get to Drakenfels and fill this gap in our collective knowledge ditch, shall we? And then, Heinrich, you can enlighten us with regards how your father crossed paths with one of the greatest evils in our world. Oh, yeah, yeah, but of course. I dare say it will do me some good to uh, talk about it. Ah, I, uh, I dare say it will. But first, perhaps another drink, everyone, to fend off evil spirits. Eh, but didn't you just have one? Ach, oh, it's, it's fine. Uh, of course, of course. Um, well, let's all have a top of pay. Indeed. But not you, Cedric. At least not yet. You're heading off down into the cellar to get Heinrich his rum. Wasn't that the deal you struck? Ach, oh, it was indeed. Well, I'd uh, better go get you your drink then, Heinrich.
Here Heinrich. One of Septimus's finest. What? You, you, you chose a bottle of Appleton. Are you sure you can afford that, Cedric? Look, for sure I can. I'm raking in a fortune at the moment, selling the ingredients used in uh, health potions. They seem to be all the rage. Pardini was telling me that your uh, comrades in arms, Heinrich, are spending a small fortune on them. Ah, I've no doubt the civil strife is fueling that. Oh, yeah, true. Sven Hammerhelm and myself and uh, my uh, fellow dungeoneers have been investing heavily in health potions in the uh, run-up to entering the Palazzo del Avonto. Ah, no doubt. And our best wishes are with you all. Before we can rid ourselves of the Skaven, the collaborating usurper, Marco Broglio, simply must be dealt with. But, back to the uh, topic at hand, eh? Before we get into Drakenfels, I'm going to preface this discussion with a word of caution. I am indeed going to talk about the origins and deeds of Drakenfels, and for these I have reliable, if scanned, sources. But that is not all, for I am also going to speak of his future. What? Where to crow the cock there? How can you do that? An excellent question, Master Alchemist. I can do this due to the divinations and research of an old friend of mine in Remas. Tell me, does anyone know of the works of the Tylean seer and astromancer, Battista Gaspar Necrodomo? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I may have uh, read a pamphlet by him when I was actually working in Remas a couple of years back. Ah, I can well believe that. He is a keen pamphleteer. He and I know each other from the uh, gambling circuit in that part of the country. We began as fierce rivals, but soon became firm friends, after I saved his life when he managed to uh, offend the Dominus Ultor of the Cult of Solcan in Remas. A uh, whole story in and of itself that is probably best saved to a discussion of the defeat of the Gods of Law by the Dark Pantheon. I'll probably get to that in the near future now I've mentioned it, but uh, not right now. Anyway, in addition to his mostly prosaic and candid pamphlets dealing with more contemporary issues, Necrodomo has also published a selection of less popular and rather more impenetrable books. Och, really? What kind of books? Books about the future. As I said, he is a seer and an astromancer, and he uses his abilities to scry the future before writing down what he sees. Oh, yeah, and uh, so how is he doing this exactly? Oh, he's not reading the entrails of dead animals, I can tell you that. What he does is this. Necrodomo uses the stars, their relative positions in the night sky, as well as their relations to other heavenly bodies, to make predictions about the future. He then collects these together and presents these findings in verse. It is these that prop up his pamphleteering and have also earned him most of his uh, notoriety. His most famous works are Signs and Wonders, which is uh, prefaced with his methodology. The Days of Doom to Come, in which he makes many terrifying claims that cover events to occur of the next millennia. 
And then the end times, which obviously talks about the end of our world. He uh, claims it will be in 2528 of the imperial calendar. Seems a bit specific to me, but uh, anyway. I've uh, signed copies of all his works if anyone fancies reading them first hand. Anyway, having spoken with uh, Batista at length about both his methods and prophecies, I have to say I've uh, found him very convincing, which has made his predictions all the more um, chilling. Last time we went out for a drink, he was telling me about his latest, and I dare say, greatest book. It has the uh, working title, The Liber Calistor. Uh, although he is toying with the idea of the, uh, the Celestine Book of Divination. This combines many of his earlier predictions into one all-encompassing tome, and will go into even greater details on the coming of the end times, as well as revealing the secrets of the world that will lead to such an outcome. Such things as we've been discussing here, in fact. Anyway, Batista told me that he'd identified the events that led to the collapse of the Chaos Gates and the Great Catastrophe. He also said some very strange things about the gods, saying that they're all, in fact, one. One great sea of um, energy and power and he claimed that each of the divine pantheons, be they dark or light, are wholly moulded by their human followers, rather than the other way round. He told me that he also wished to include the patterns and goals of the scions of chaos and their masters, and how their avatar will bring about the end of the world. Ok, so just like we talked about when I told you two about the Everchosen, Ah, yes. But, 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 but this is not a discussion to be having in front of the neophytes. Oh, yeah, yeah, it most certainly is not. Ah, uh, indeed. Anyway, uh, back to Batista, eh? Now, despite his grand plans, I've the feeling that he will never finish this book. He is in hiding, you see. He claims that the witch hunters of Solkan are after him. The cult has been running a, a smear campaign against him for years leading him to have been daubed. Necrodomo, the insane, in many quarters. It all started with that incident involving the uh, Dominus Alter's daughter, of course, but uh, that aside, of late he said that they've uh, stepped up their harassment and are now outright hunting him down. But his troubles are not only with the cult, for he also told me that his seer's sight has become clouded clouded by a dark shadow that hangs over everything he does, and that this is all he can see when he closes his eyes. He gets no reprieve in sleep either. His dreams are filled with the words of a mysterious, shadowy entity, something he calls the Dark Master. Ach, the Dark Master? Now that's a moniker that the first demon prince Bellacor uses, if you recall. Ah, so it was. Now, that is troubling news then. <sighs> Nor to be done though. Anyway, the book of his I really want to talk about 
is a lesser-known volume called Transcendentia, which contains an entire section dedicated to Drachenfels. At least, uh, that's the way I read it. Don't worry, I won't read you the whole thing. It's long and dense, and uh, the way it's worded is rather, uh, as I said earlier, impenetrable. But there are certain parts that are probably worth quoting. I'll get to those much later on, though. Right then, with all that in place, I think, uh, now that we're sorted for a drink as well, I shall begin. Constant Drachenfels is most well known as the Great Enchanter, for great is his magical prodigiousness. But he has other names too. Well has he earned his preferred moniker as the darkness that would not be defied. For his heart, if he even possesses one, is the blackest of blacks, and his will is harder than Gromril. And well, too, has he earned his other pseudonym, the Eternal Champion of Evil. For long has been his life, and beyond counting is the list of his vile and evil deeds. Make no mistake, down through the millennia he has been guilty of the worst of crimes, be they sadistic killings and torture, the orchestration of massacres and genocides, the hobbling of the high and mighty, both in mind and body, as well as plotting and then carrying out the fall of nations. Some of these crimes have been perpetrated in whimsy, others in range, whilst more again with cold calculation. They do all share one thing in common, though. Their aim is his amusement. He does not oft act alone, though. He has enchanted and subverted the wills of many peoples in many races. He consorts with the demons and scions of the dark gods, although he both despises and looks down on them and their masters. He himself is a master of the necromantic arts, and has raised vast armies of the undead to enact out his malevolent plans. Oh, yeah, and this was uh, one of his necromantic creations that led my father to his fateful encounter. Ah, I can't wait to hear. But first, though, let me regale you all with what scant knowledge we have of the origins of this, this fiend. Oh, yeah, yeah, please, Master Tavernkeeper, continue. Ah, I will. First, know this. He is no man. I'm sure you all know the idiom. If it looks like a beastman and brays like a beastman, it's a beastman. But as with many truisms, it is as often true as it is false. And this is definitely the case with Drakenfels. He wears the shape of a man, but is no man. Anyway, it was when I was a student back in Nuln that I first came across mention of him, upon a fragment of a scroll penned by the ancient high priest Herach of the Vulture Lord in ancient Kemri, who made mention of Drakenfels. 
and the next I caught a glimpse of the powerful great enchanter, head and shoulders taller than I. The man himself delights in grotesque feasts amongst the dead laid low. Around him, the cries of the dying ringing out like the cries of birds before fading in waves like night bowing out beneath the dawn. Indeed, in numerous other written sources from the annals of the ages, the great enchanter is oft described as being well over six feet tall and physically most imposing. A powerful man. But, uh, as I said, he is no man. His face is always hidden in these descriptions of him, covered by a featureless mask of tin and iron. His hands, too, invariably hidden by soft gloves, and his body draped with the finest robes of each age. None have seen his face, or at least lived long enough to tell of it. Yet, despite these secretive ways, there are still some things that we do know of Drakenfels. Ancient myths tell us the following. When our fated place was young and cold, before the appearance of the old ones, the creature that would grow to become constant Drakenfels was part of a primitive humanoid race that inhabited the icy tundra, clambering over the frozen glaciers and hunting in the wastelands. The world was a more dangerous place than it is now. Enormous dragons and gigantic beasts stalked the land and skies and the freezing oceans were the realms of mereworms and the diluvian monsters of the deep, some of which have survived into the present era, it has to be said. In this time of quick death and hard living was born he who would become Drakenfels, a creature that grew to become a murderer, a kinslayer, a predator of his own people and a manipulator of the uncanny. There was much less magic in the world than there is now, yet such was the power and evil of Drakenfels that everyone came to fear and despise him. He was caught and bound, tortured and killed, and yet would not die. In desperation, his tribe took him to the most isolated of icy plains, bound him, buried him alive, and left him there to rot for all eternity. And thus he did, his ravaged and damaged body disintegrating about his immortal spirit. However, this was no hindrance to one such as he. Herds of wild beasts used the area where Drakenfels was buried to graze, and where the herds went, hunters went too. It was one of these that was the first. As the warrior slept with his fellow hunters around a burning fire, 
the malignant spirit of Drakenfels crept into his mind, inveigling his way through the labyrinthine halls of his consciousness, inch by inch, subsuming them until Drakenfels was able to completely take control. In this way he freed himself, and over the millennia, Drakenfels has repeated his trick again and again, possessing the bodies of victim after victim, extracting every bit of life from each before moving on to the next. In this way, he outlived his own species, who became extinct with the coming of the old ones. I've no doubt this brought him a great satisfaction, but like all pleasures, it was short-lived, a sensation that came to define the character of Drakenfels. The coming of the Old Ones also wrought new changes. Their geomantic web brought greater magic into our world, and with this, Drakenfels' powers too grew. But it was not until the Great Catastrophe that he truly came into his own and blossomed into the Great Enchanter we now know and fear today.